Okay, good morning, everyone. It is a wonderful day here in the North Country, in northern, northern New York. We actually have uh, an actual snowstorm going on still. But some of us braved and toughed it out and made it here to gather together corporately to worship. Some of us weren't able to, no judgments. But, uh, you know, here we are. And it was interesting yesterday because, uh, you know, as I'm praying about what we're going to do, um, I didn't really even know. <laughs> I, no, I normally have a pretty concrete idea. But I think a big part of it is I'm going to do something I don't actually do often at all. Maybe I've done twice or three times in the eight years of me preaching every Sunday. We're going to take a story in the Bible, and we're going to go piece by piece and look through it. But what I think is happening is this. I'm noticing a trend. Okay, don't babble, AJ. That's what I'm telling myself. Okay, so here's the thing. I spend more time tearing wrong thinking down than I do instilling uh, godly thinking to folks. That's how I feel. It's a lot of it. It's taken away the lies, taken away the mistruths, taken away separating church from actual faith in Christ. And so what I want to do is we're going to look at a pretty kind of just random story in the middle of John. But I want to not, not only take what we're going to take out of it, and it's a lot, but I also want to show you how I approach the Bible. I'm no scholar. I'm not blah, blah. But I tend to approach it without any sort of churchy bias. And I think what I'm trying to say is this. If you come from a fundamental background, a lot of times you'll look at the interactions in the Bible, the Gospels, and all you'll see is like God stuff. And you'll miss the people stuff. Now, in the Bible, in my opinion, is everything we need to relate to God? Yes. To relate to other people? Yes. And to relate to ourselves? But some translations, some denominations, they kept it high and lofty. They took some of Jesus' humor and they downplayed it. There's humor in there. There's absolutely, I'm going to show you a funny, funny joke in the book of John. Uh, you know what I mean? They took the humanity out of it. So what do we do? We end up not knowing where to go at times. We end up going outside of God's realm and wisdom to find that realm and wisdom. And we don't necessarily need to. Now, I'm not condemning you. I listen to Dr. Phil podcast. I listen to, uh, come on, Jordan Peterson, big time. But everything they're saying, if I pay attention, has already been said in the Word of God. So here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you the story quickly, AJ style, then we're going to walk through it. I promise this won't be boring, but even if it is, it's what God's told us to do today. And so I don't really care. So in the book of, oh, wait, first off, we're going to be looking at the book of John. Does anybody remember who the book of John was written to or written for? I showed you before, lion, ox, man, and eagle, okay? Give, that's the, those are the four Gospels designed like the living creatures in the throne room and the Old Testament, okay? This is John is writing so that you will believe that God, he is the Son of God and be saved. John is writing to the church. You understand that? Matthew is writing to the Jew, on and on and on. John is writing to you, to you, listener, to you here at church. He's writing to you that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and be saved. Understand? So he's writing directly to you in the future. He knew this. So one day, something kind of weird happened. In fact, it's very weird. It's the first and only time this has happened in the history of mankind. And John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, years and years later, wrote this down. And he says this. This AJ's paraphrase. Forgive me. We're going to look at it in a second. They're doing what they're doing. Jesus is teaching the world during his ministry. And he comes across a guy who was born without sight. And he 
heals this guy in a unique and weird and sort of, some could say, gross way, using spit. He heals the guy and tells him to go wash. After that, all heck breaks loose in this area because this man that everybody in the town knew was born, borny, born, born blind, now sees. And I won't start teaching just yet, maybe. But this, yeah, I won't start teaching yet. So then they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is right around the time of the peak of Jesus's ministry where the battle lines were being drawn. News for you, they're, they're drawn today too. Between followers and the nonchalant, the non-believe, okay? And what you start to see is literally a parallel of what we're going through today. This is not a, oh, times are terrible prophecy. I'm not even that guy, I don't even believe that. But what you'll see is like, oh, that looks familiar. So the man gets, he fights with the Pharisees. Fights, 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 fights. And then at the end of the story, where we're going to close today, the chapter ends with Jesus finding the man and saying, I'm the one who heals you. That's the whole story. But there's a lot in it that we're going to do. So let's start, Brian. We're going to do this thing. Piece by piece by pizzle, pizzle, pizzle. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciple to ask him, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the work of God may be displayed in his life. Time out. So, you're at Walmart, and you see a handicapped child walk by. Can you imagine if your brain said, someone did something wrong? Come on. Jerry Lewis has his telethons, and he marches out a bunch of sinful little kids, doesn't he? And that's why they're jacked up. That's what they just said. Oh, wait, I've heard this before. It's called karma. And it's still in our culture today that says good things happen to good people. Do good things and good things. No, that's not the reality of the world. Bad things happen to bad people. Well, then why are the people in Washington, D.C. filthy rich? It's a funny joke, but y'all know they ain't good people. Come on, dude. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Go to Washington, D.C. and tell me, well, the good people prosper, Epstein. Come on, man. No, but listen, this is, this is, so stop it for a second. You see how he almost went over a huge thing? And it came out of the mouth of a man. So the man says to another man, when you see people suffering, it's because they're bad. And you know, now listen, but don't dismiss this because we do it in the church too. You see someone whose life's falling apart, and I've heard this before, undisclosed sin. Have you heard that before in 30 years? It's true. Or we even do it in our lives. Something happens, and we go, Lord, what have I done wrong? And then if you're lucky, you've got friends, like Job's friends, who come along and say this very same thing. This is not new. Well, Job, man, listen, man, if you were better, man, this wouldn't happen to you. You must have sin. And what happens? God actually rebukes the friends who said that, didn't he? Huh. Let's look at the, uh, there's a next scripture, right? Tower of, Tower of blah, blah. So, elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus addresses this directly. Now, there was some present at the time, at the time, a different time in the book of Luke. And they told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices. That's a whole other thing. It was real current events, like six o'clock news stuff. And Jesus answers, hey, so you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So he takes it head on. I tell you no, exclamation point. In other words, put it to bed. Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, my name is Earl. Put it to bed. 
And I love the guy. You know I do. He wears flannels. But unless you repent, you too will all perish, Jesus says. Or how about this? I'll tell you something else bad that happened. How about there's 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? You think they're more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, once again, no exclamation point. But you, dude, who should be looking at your own paper right now, unless you repent, you too will all perish. And here's what I mean. Unless you change the way you acknowledge wrongdoing and thinking and change the way you think, you're in big trouble. Something bigger is happening here. Because if you think that's the way the world works and how you relate to God, you're going to perish. Let me put this very clearly. If you're worshiping karma, and if you think that that's going to save you, you will perish. Anyone who's hearing my voice right now, if you think you can do good things and good things will happen to you, you will perish. That's what you will reap out of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't even need head nods today. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying. Y'all are busy looking at other people, what's happening to them? Look at your paper. You're trying to earn your way into the kingdom. You're going to perish. So isn't this nice that we can put that down? That when you go through hard times, you don't have to look at God and go, my God, why have you uh, uh, hurt me or harmed me? Or even Job's other error, in my opinion, was leaning too much on his perfection as a reason he shouldn't be suffering. Job did sin in that, but we're not doing Job today. Are y'all following me so far? Jesus has said what so far? Very, very little. We're not even into the story yet. But notice the way people are relating to people. And what you'll see is, Oops, there's a pitfall I can avoid. Don't just look for how God relates to people and how we relate to people in the Bible. Let's keep going back to the story. Oh, they said, uh, who sinned, right? And he says, no, it was made for the... Yeah, okay. And he says, they say, who sinned? And he says, no, this man... Yeah, can, can you go... I should have hit that, though. Can you go back to three real quick? I should have hit that last sentence I missed. But this happened... Here we are. Neither this man sinned nor his parents... But this happens so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that Jesus just told you he wrapped the entire story up before the story begins. He said, what you're about to see has a purpose and one purpose, mainly. It's got several purposes, but one of them is this. The, power, the work of God might be displayed in his life. And I want to tell you something because I'm going to go... I'm doing less preaching and more teaching today. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go piece by piece by piece. And when the story's done, we're done. Do you know that that's the purpose of your life too? What's the purpose for your life? It's not even to do the works of God. It's that the work of God can be displayed in your life. That's your job here on earth, people. It's not to accrue things. It's not even to be faithful and good. It's that you display the work of God. Does that make sense? And you display the glory of God. And that's a weird thing for people who live in a democracy. But to think that God created me to shine his glory, it's really not about me. Something in our American hearts, our Western hearts, might not necessarily like that. That'll change the nanosecond, which is a joke because there's no time here. That'll change the minute you see Jesus and realize, oh, it absolutely is all about him. And if I get to be a mirror, honey, I don't have to be a light. I get to be a mirror. Does that make sense? I wonder if the moon is ever jealous of the sun. Because all it does is reflect the glory and the light of the sun, doesn't it? But guess what? It gets to shine, doesn't it? Maddie, if it weren't there, it would never shine at all. It gets to shine because of the glory of the sun. Take it home with you. Let's go to number four. Thank you, Brian, for going backward. 
So Jesus then says this, hey, as long as it's day, we've got to do the, the work of him who sent me. Time out. Jesus is saying we must do the work of him who sent me. This is a big deal. Jesus is saying I'm on a mission. I even have to. In human form, I have to. I'm doing the work of the... Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, he says, I am the light. <laughs> I just put that together. There's seven I am statements in the book of John. Iego I may in Greek, if you're a nerd. There's seven of them, and here's one. I'm the light of the world. Now, what hit me just then, Gordo, is he goes, I'm the light of the world, spits in the ground, touches this man's eyes. Rewind. I am the light of the world. And then he brings light to the guy's eyes. Isn't that cool? I'm the light of the world. And the lights go on for this guy. How sweet is this? I'm the light of the world. I'm the light. He spat on the ground, made some moment to saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Next one, please. By the way, kind of gross. Uh, I always say this. Jesus never healed the same way twice or never healed the same way repeatedly. Because, you know, if he did, we'd all be spitting on the ground and thinking it would have the power, right? We even do that with prayers. We think if you say a certain prayer a certain way, right? We do. Everything becomes a formula with us. So he, he, he puts the mud on the guy and he goes, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Now this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Time out. Does anybody believe Jesus has magic spit? Can we just get rid of this? Jesus does not have magic spit. you understand this? Now the reason I do that is because sometimes in our brains and our cultures and our churches, we do that and that... That puts us in a different place, but Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. We're to walk in his shoes. He is not, he is not supposed to be unattainable. Do you understand that? He didn't have magic spit. I'll even, I'll even challenge you with this, Gordo. He didn't walk on water because of magic God powers, because he was fully man. Greater shall you do things than I do, says Jesus. Didn't he, Bruce? He didn't have magic spit, guys. He had a oneness with the Father, a willingness to do the works of the Father, and the Father shone through him. What did I say before? That's what we're supposed to be doing now. So the man went and washed, came home seeing. His neighbors and those who, who had formerly seen him beg, begging asked, now time out, this is where the interpersonal stuff happens. This is, this is why these stories are boring in the Bible, unless you're looking for guidance through how people interact. There's some good interaction here, and there's some very deadly interaction going on here. But John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, said, this is important to you, church. Now watch how these people interact. Neighbors who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Next. Some claim, no, he wasn't. He says, nah, he looks like him. He says, no, nah, I'm, I'm the guy. How then were your eyes open? Time out. Nobody rejoices. In life, you're going to have promotions and good days. And even the people closest to you will forget to clap. And even sometimes people closest to you will be jealous that it's not their day. And the rest of the world won't care. That's how to interact with each other. Understand that this is coming. You get that promotion, your coworker might be jealous. This man was born blind. They saw him every day. Instead of going, yo, congratulations, man. Good for you. Do you know what they ask? What's the first word? Somebody say, what did they ask him? How? It's right there, guys, right? How? Now, that also reveals another thing about people. What's, what's the process? What's the thing? How can I get my hands on this and understand it? How was it done? They didn't say who. They said, how was it done? How was it done? How can we replicate it? How can we do it? Does that make sense? Can you believe that? I mean, they saw him. 
Born blind. Do you know that if he was born blind, this might be gross. How about this? There's a reason folks who are born blind usually wear glasses. And it's not for them, it's for us. Jesus may have grown him eyes. Do you understand that? And all of a sudden this guy's got eyes, which would have changed the way he looked in a way. Wouldn't you freak out if you knew somebody born blind and they got to see? What a sad state of affairs that all they wanted immediately was, hey, how'd this happen? All right, come on, let's do the next one. So he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Well, where is this man? Uh, I, I don't know, he says. And so it begins. Let's go. Next one. So they brought him to the Pharisees. To the Pharisees, the man. Yeah. Now they bring in the establishment. Something's going down. They bring him to the, bring him to the powers that be. And the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, dun, 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 was a Sabbath. Now things get complicated. Because now it was a broken rule. So this wonderful, joyful thing happens to you. And someone in your life will say, mm, that's not necessarily the way it's supposed to happen. Furthermore, does anybody believe Jesus healed him on the Sabbath by accident? Hmm. Now, I, I want to be careful with the way I say this. But sometimes when it comes to the way Jesus interacts with the establishment, sometimes I imagine if you were to be there, you might just see a little mischief in his eyes. Because he's always rocking the establishment boat. He's always poking at the man-made junk. You know what I'm trying to say? So you can almost see a little smirk on his face as he heals his kid who he created. And he redoes the eyeballs, because if he had to make eyeballs, he's the expert. He's the eyeball maker. <laughs> but I can imagine a little smirk going, oh, they ain't going to like this. <laughs> so they notice it's on a Sabbath day. So therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, hey, we're going to get involved now because you violated our religious stuff. How do you receive sight, dude? Um, he put mud on my eyes. I washed. Now I see. Can you imagine he keeps saying it over and it gets shorter and shorter? Next one, please. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said this, whoa, 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 but how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Time out. Venture a guess as to who's sitting on the Sanhedrin. Guess who was probably saying, how can a sinner do miraculous things? Guess who was probably, there's a word, there's a person. Anybody know who it might be that's saying this? Nicodemus. Nicodemus was on the ruling council. And here's somebody, a voice of truth in the Pharisees. Can't you imagine it's Nicodemus going, hey, ho. But if you're saying this guy's a sinner, how can a sinner do miraculous things? Nicodemus had a heart posture of openness, didn't he? This is the book of John, too, by the way, shortly after. So Nicodemus, I think we see I think we see a snapshot of Nicodemus showing who he truly is. And, of course, later on he takes care of the Lord. But I think that's cool. Don't forget the humanity. We're inside the boardroom here. So let me tell you this before we go on with this. Yeah, stop before we do that. He's not of God because he doesn't follow our rules. Now, I could have a field day with this, and Jesus does. This is hot button here. Can I ask you, who laid down such stringent rules about the Sabbath day? Do we know? Was it God or was it some other people? God gave us the Sabbath for man. Jesus even says that. 
It says, you know, man's not for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for man. It's the Jews who then said, what's work? And they formed together committees and determined what work was. Do you know that they used to measure their steps on the Sabbath? Because only certain steps were allowed. And you couldn't bake, so you had to bake the night before. I mean, you couldn't do anything. Otherwise, you were in sin. When they, remember, there's another story where Jesus and his followers are walking through a field and they eat some grain out of the field, which is fully legal. But they said, oh, that's considered work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, hey, man is not for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. You're missing all this, dude. But here's what I'm trying to say. The Pharisees created all these, there were hundreds of rules people had to follow that were not from God. People, as well-meaning as they may be, this is what people do. We do it in government. We do it in church. And all of a sudden it becomes us versus them. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you're not following our rules, our morality, our thoughts, our dress code. Like, I don't want to burn this into the ground, but I'm going to log on video everything I want to say today. Just understand that. I'm not going to rush through this message. Because I remember someone saying to me, you can't be a Christian because you smoke cigarettes. And Christians can't smoke cigarettes. And I, bu I bought it. And I should say his name because I'm still upset about it. This is when I was like 18, just starting to follow God. No, Tonto. Jesus never said, thou shall not smoke cigarettes. In fact, what he saw when he adopted me was a kid who was addicted to cigarettes at the time. So you took man's rules and condemned me as sinful based on man's rules. Here's the problem. In our, um, okay. Right here, they did that very same thing, and they measured Jesus. They said, because he did this, he's a, sin he's a sinner. This guy's a sinner too, okay? Their measurement of Jesus wasn't wrong. It was the measuring stick that was flawed. Do you follow what I just said? This happens to every single person hearing my voice. We do. We feel as though we become enforcers of certain moralities. We feel as though there's certain things that are worse than other things. We start to use the word sin. And I just need to say this. Backpedal for a minute lest we become these folks here who say, that's not the way it should look. And I can see Jesus outside going, I didn't say, make sure before you do that, that you're standing on my word, not interpretation of it and not a cultural thing. Because, do you understand what I'm saying? Take for that what you mean. And by the way, we've all been on this side of the stick. Think about what I just said. We've all been on that end of the stick. We've been told we were not right because of. And I want to rewind to the people accusing you and say, who told you that? Sometimes even in church, we're trying to raise up moral people instead of Jesus followers, and that's completely wrong. I don't think they like that, so I want to say it again. We're not here to raise up moral people who vote the right way, dress the right way, aim their sexuality and addictions the right way. And we're not, that's not my goal at all. If that's my goal, hang it up, I'll be home. My goal is to, to point people to Jesus Christ and then they work it out. And you know what that frees me up to do, dude? I would be rejoicing with a dude who gets to see. I would be rejoicing with him, man. 
Y'all ever see those videos online? I watched one yesterday. Somebody got a cochlear implant for the first time. <gasps> Dude, you're a monster if you don't cry at the end of those videos. I watched a lady here for the first time since birth. And, her, and, the, and, the, and the doctor's going on and on and on. And I was like, all right, come on, finish up. And then the husband's like, can you hear me? She's like, <gasps> I mean, she loves this man. She's devoted to this man. She's never heard his voice until that moment. <laughs> Waterworks. Waterworks. Or have you seen the colorblind people who get the new glasses? Have you seen that? You ever see the bodybuilder guy who cries? This big, tough, burly 50-year-old guy. And he's... <clears throat> I'm rejoicing with these people, man. I got news for you. I got, I got a question for you. We're making a sermon out of this yet. Don't you think it's one of our jobs to rejoice with God's other kids when things go well for them? Do you know what I loved? You know what I loved? I, I loved on family game night. I loved seeing Koa and my kids have fun together. And never once did they turn and put fingers in each other's chest and say, you're not acting right. They turned and were just like, good job playing checkers. Good job with those Legos. You missed an opportunity. What a, okay. I'm going to give you a hint now. Do you know that this miracle specifically was mentioned ages before as a messianic miracle. In other words, thou shalt know he is the Christ when he heals a man born blind. Not a dude with a stick in his eye. Not a man who became blind. Not a partially blind man. Anybody can do that. But this miracle, reserved for Mashiach. You will see it nowhere else in the Bible. And I got news for you, you'll probably never see it in humanity ever again. It's just a thing that was reserved so that y'all would know Jesus came. But some people missed it. Because they're too busy worrying about the way it went down. That's a real shame. Moving forward. What do you have to say about him, they ask, still picking on this poor dude. All he did was receive his sight, and now he's like in the crosshairs, right? What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he says, he's a prophet. Yellow. Yellow. Next one. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Oh, yeah, there you go. It was the same one. He's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Now they involve mommy and daddy. Next one. Is this your son? And they're like, is this the one you you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? All right, two things, yo. We know he's our son. We know he was born blind. Now, you get an air of fear from the parents. Next one. By the way, very diplomatic. But how can he see now? Or how he can see now or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him he's of age. Leave us alone. <laughs> He'll speak for himself. It's like when your kids are messing up and people start asking you about it. Like, he's a grown-up. I don't know. <laughs> what? We just share the last name. He's making his own decisions. His parents said because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ, Mashiach, would be put out of the synagogue. Now, some of you may be thinking excommunicado or what's the Catholic term? when you're put out uh shunned is another one yeah that's the word thank you excommunicated oh, i said it in a weird language <laughs> Shun. um disowned nope none of them come close to what this actually means do you guys remember in the parable of the prodigal son how the father runs out puts the robe signet ring and sandals on him and i taught you that that's because if he got into the town square 
They were going to break a bowl in front of them and perform what's called the Kizaza ceremony, where they break a bowl and say, your relationship with your the Jewish community is broken. And once that bowl or vase or vase broke, that kid was no longer considered Jewish. He was worse than an infidel. He could no longer do business there. He could not walk on their property. Once that bowl shattered. So culturally, when he covers him with that robe the signet ring and rushes him into the house the kizaza ceremony never takes place therefore by law he's still a jew and he's still allowed there the father saved him had that bowl broken it's done you get it that's more of the vibe here if you get put out of the synagogue it means you're no longer a citizen a hebrew you can't do business you can't buy and sell and trade you can't own land within their land you're dunsky you're worse than an infidel I mean, you literally would probably die. You couldn't sell your crops. You couldn't sell your anything. So they were terrified. Now, here's another lesson, and, and I do recognize the time here. I'll start speeding up a bit. All we have is a person who received mercy and blessing, grace, and salvation from Christ Jesus, I believe. And he's about, they're about to lose everything for it. Now we're starting to see some, some God-relating-to-us type of stuff. Because it's wonderful when we read the stories. Uh, people get the woman with the issue of blood healed. These other people set free. But now we're seeing what happens after. And do you know some of you, when you make the decision to actually lean your life against Christ, do you know that oftentimes things get worse before they get better? Do you know that? that it ain't easy to sell. You won't hear a lot of fancy preachers tell you that. But doggone it, that's the truth. Because the world rejects Jesus. They're rejecting him so much right now. They're saying anybody that says he's that, I don't care about the water walking. I don't care about the stuff I see in front of me. Dude with new eyes. Anybody says he's Christos, you're done. Why the violence? Do you understand that? That's because the thing we worship, the person we worship, Jesus, is real. I saw a statistic there, something like, what is it, 4,272? Wow, the number came to me, so it might be right. Right. Religions on the planet? I would have thought there was a couple hundred. It's in the thousands. And when you hear that, you're like, but nobody opposes Zen Buddhism. Do you hear them talking bad about Zen Buddhism? I saw a trailer. My son and I were watching Howie Mandel's Animals Doing Silly Things on, on Hulu. We're watching a show where animals do funny things. But a movie trailer came on and the girl says something happens and she goes, JC. And it, it rattled me. And listen, I'm no prude, dude. Look at me. But they blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ on a movie trailer? One, Do you see what I'm trying to say? It happens when we're watching freaking football, too. What the heck? Nobody's cursing Buddha. Nobody's cursing, cursing atheism. Nobody threatened anybody in the synagogue and said, we'll destroy your family if you worship Apollos, Paul, Caiaphas. Do you get it? It's the name of Jesus Christ that destroys families, destroys nations, and saves people. Does that make sense? And I'm just quoting Jesus elsewhere, by the way. I came to divide and, and, and separate. The truth does that. You know that? It does it in your marriages. It does it in your friendships. The truth, who is Jesus? I'm not trying to convolute things here. The truth is always controversial. You notice that? Everybody loves a convenient lie. All right. 
Let's finish the story, and then I'll just hit you with two more things. So what happens to this poor dude? That's why his parents said he's, he's age of, of age. Ask him. They were scared. So they summoned him back a second time. And they said, give glory to God, they said. Time out. That's actually an admonishment, Mary Beth. Swear on the living God. That's what they're saying. That's not, I mean, it's a big deal. It's basically saying, do you swear the whole truth, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth will help you, God. That's what they're saying. Swear by the living God. We know this man's a sinner. Whether he's, and he goes, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know this. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that nice? Now we're starting to see a parallel. Because I want to ask you, oh, I can't, I can't yet, can't yet. Calm down, AJ, next one. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Oh, I told you already, man. Oh, and you don't want to listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> Come on, that's hilarious. They're pestering the snot out of this guy. Why do you want to know about Are you going to go off and worship him? <laughs> Which I imagine will just anger them. But next slide, kicking the bee's nest. Then they hurled insults at him. Now, time out. That's a different word. They hurled anathemas at him. You familiar with that term? Anathema means, okay. See see why this little inconsequential stories are really cool? Anathema. Paul says this. If anyone, no, it might have been John. No, I think the angel says this. Time out. Bottom line. He says, now listen up, Mormons. He says, if anybody comes and gives you a different doctrine than Christ died, resurrected again, whether it be angel or man, which literally he's telling you the Mormon church is an error, literally, because they believe an angel named Moroni gave Joseph Smith this revelation. Paul says, if anybody, an angel or man, gives you a different gospel, let him be anathema. Anathema. Memorize that word. Condemned to hell with no hope of rescue. Do you understand that? That's a word. I know. Listen, that's a word even I wouldn't say to somebody. Like I've thought about it. Like you can say like you would be anathema. It means nothing to anybody else. But I know that deep down it's the worst curse you can say to anybody. Let you be condemned to the deepest pits of torment without any hope. They hurled that at him for this. They must really hate this dude. Time out. No, they don't. They hate Jesus. You get it? <laughs> this guy could have been anybody. What if it was a woman? What if it was a, a, a Hebrew man? What if it was a... Nobody gives a... It was because it was Jesus. They held anathemas at him. You are his fellow disciple. We know it. We're disciples of Moses. Ha ha ha. We know that God spoke to Moses. But for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that's... It's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he performed this mighty miracle. All of a sudden, the dude turns it around on them, the guns. Time out, time out. Whatever, you're here. You drove here. Sit tight for a second. They're saying, well, we're good because we're disciples of Moses. We know who we are. Anybody else remember where this, this battle takes place? Elsewhere, they say to him, they say, well, we know who our father is. We know who our daddy is basically pointing to the virgin birth and pick, picking on him for the virgin birth. And, God, and Jesus ever so politely corrects them and says, oh, I know who your dad is too, the devil. <laughs> He's a liar and the father of lies. Woo. But notice they're, they're, they're leaning on their pedigree. Does that make sense? So what are we learning about people right now? Ourselves, our hearts, the people around us, and what it looks like to follow Christ. People aren't going to hate you because you're nobody. Rest, rest assured. But people are going to hate the Jesus in you that grows. That's how that goes. 
And there's, I have another thought in a second, but I want They're leaning on what they do. We're disciples of Moses. What does that mean? It means we keep the law. We're good people. Well, first off, you're shouting to hell an innocent man, but you're a good person. Ever have someone condemn you in your faith system, even though they're pretty crappy people? Oh, maybe that's just my story. I got one head nod over there. I'm a good person. Let me point out your flaws. That's what people will do, but not because of you, because of Jesus Christ. That's absolutely the truth. This man's life, he would have still been born, been blind, but his life would have been peaceful. This didn't happen, huh? Next slide. Let's finish the story, I hope. You don't know where he comes from yet, he does it. We, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, says Pharisees. <coughs> he listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of, of opening the eyes of a man born blind, see? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing, says, yeah. So, we're also hearing, though, listen, we're in it. We're going to finish the story. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Is that true? Gotcha, Catherine. You're good. Okay, well, then why did I sit at a uh, camp in North Bangor a few years ago and listen to some young guy say, if you have sin in your life, God can't hear you. Ask me if I'm quoting that. Ask me if I'm leaving anything else out. Unfortunately, I got to see most of my folks were listening to this, and then the dude ended the message. God doesn't listen to sinners. So he didn't listen to David after he murdered. He didn't listen to Job. When Job actually says, at the depths of my despair, I called out to you. Anybody else call out to God in the Bible in a sinful state? All of them. All of them. Come on, man. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Oh, come on, dude. He listens to the godly man who does his will. That's, that's human control. All right, I know, I know, I know. And this guy, listen, the guy who's saying it is the man born blind. And he says this, nobody's ever heard of the openings. Even he knows this just doesn't happen. All right, if this guy, man were not for God, he could do nothing. Is that it? No, next slide. For this reply, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? <laughs> we're the good people. And they cast him out. Jesus heard they'd thrown him out. And Jesus went and found him. And he said this. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Capital S. Who is he, sir? Uh, tell me that I may believe in him, says this guy. I love this guy's honest candor. He's not trying to be anything, is he? To this they replied, oh, yeah, next one. Next may I believe in him. You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said this, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. That's it, right? Good. So who was actually blind in this story, you guys? They were absolutely blind to the light of the world passing by them. One of my favorite songs, Chris Rice. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head for love is passing by. That makes me want to cry even right now. Eyes to see. So they're sitting there complaining about a man who was born blind, but their stubbornness kept them blind. And elsewhere, somewhere in John, in John, he says this, lest you actually receive the kingdom, you won't see the kingdom. It's not going to happen that way. And Jesus says this, that's the line of judgment, you guys. For judgment, I've come into this world. That's the line of judgment. Listen to me. There are people, I know, just give me two more minutes. 
people will, by all means, people will perish. That's in the Bible. People will perish. But I don't believe anybody. Let me say this really clearly. I don't think God is going to cast people away from him for their sins. I believe that they will be cast away for what they did or did not do with Jesus Christ. There's your difference. There's no angry God going, ugh. It's you had the remedy. You chose not to. You chose to remain blind. Does that make sense? And so when you're blind, you can't see what's in front of you. And some people, that's your story. That's all right. Nobody's condemning you. I'm just telling you why. If we choose to remain blind, we will miss the things of God. And that sounds like an old condemning preacher thing, but that's not the reality. Because I want to tell you something. Another thing about this story. In verse 11, the man says this. Watch this progression. You should go back and read it again later and watch the progression of the man born blind. Verse 11, he calls him Jesus. Verse 17, he calls him a prophet. Verse 33, he calls him a man of God or son of God. And verse 38, he calls him Lord. Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? He calls him Jesus, prophet, man or son of God, and then Lord. So by all means, this man receives salvation. But you get to watch it in front. And so I'll close by saying this. I talked about how this is how people relate, man relates to God. There's also a story of man relating, how we relate to, relate to people. You get to see in front of you someone after a miracle, after that, you get to see a person working out their salvation. We don't get to really see that in the Bible, guys. There's people, then they're saved. There's people, then they're not. But this also speaks of progression. So first, he opens his eyes to a man named Jesus and says, yes, he exists. He's real. He's a man. The second, he says, he was a good teacher, prophet. Muslims even called Jesus a prophet. And I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe JWs and Mormons call him a prophet. Uh, not JWs. They call him little God. Mormons call him a prophet. The third one is this, son of God. Man of God. Okay. That's almost like receiving salvation, Mary Beth, in my opinion. Or Chuck Missler says, it's like being saved. But the fourth one, the man, the man opens his eyes, is able to encounter Jesus, and calls him Lord. Now, there's a tension in the church, there always is, between folks who receive him as man of God or son of God and struggle or never receive him as Lord. And y'all can fight that out because on one end, they think that means the person's not saved. On the other end, they think, ah, there's no push for us to, you know, to submit and surrender our lives to God. What we see is this. Every one of us in this place and hearing my voice, we're called to go from saved to, to making Jesus Lord of every area of our lives. Right? A silly little story. John chapter 9. I think there's so much in there for us, you guys. So here's the call to action. We're going to pray and then we're going to leave. We're going to say this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, King Jesus, it's been wonderful to read your word today. Uh, sometimes I feel like we don't do that enough in this place, just to read your word and pour over it. Thank you for the wisdom you've, you've pulled out of this, Lord Jesus. We understand that you truly did this, that there was your son who was born blind and you gave him eyes. And thank you, Father God. But he would rejoice even more that you gave him spiritual eyes. Because spiritual eyes are the ones that are eternal. And so, Father, we thank you for what you did for this, our brother, 
so many years ago. And we thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our hearts today. We thank you that we too can say we were once were blind, but now we see. But Father, we ask that, you, that you'd help us to see more clearly. More clearly, Father, and, and, to, and to walk with you uh, more closely than ever before. There's areas of our lives that we're still, we want to submit to you as Lord. But there's a struggle, Father God. Anything that's not of truth opposes truth. We understand that. So ask, help us today, Father God. Help us today to move towards you, Lord Jesus, and submit and surrender each and every area of our lives to you. We thank you that we're not the Pharisees, we're not condemned, we're not your enemies, but we're your sons and daughter, daughters. And so even when you challenge us, Lord, it's from a posture of love and acceptance. And so thank you for that, Father. Thank you that we're secure in that. We thank you that you did not reject this man, that he was honest. We also noticed one thing I forgot to say, but I, I know you're speaking through this is, you found this man outside of the temple. You went and found him, number one. And number two, you had to go outside the religious system to create relationship. We welcome that today. Thank you, Father. Please reignite our Bible reading that we will comb over these things and Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us. We love you and worship you. Help us to make every area of our lives uh, under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. We love you and worship you. Amen. All right, everybody. Have a great week.